The Art of the Pivot is brought to you by Signavio. Hello, Mark Jeffries here again with an amazing guest. Let me tell you about Stephanie Nashawadi. She is the Chief Customer Innovation Officer for SAP North America, where she's focused on keeping customer needs at the forefront of SAP's engagements. She and her team are responsible for delivering seamless, integrated, and value-rich experiences for customers. Now, Stephanie joined SAP in 2016 as Chief Strategist, where she led strategy and planning. Today, we're going to talk about the ongoing challenge and opportunities behind transformation, innovation, and of course, customer experience. Stephanie, welcome. Where do we find you today? Hi, Mark, and thank you for having me. I'm joining from Norwell, Massachusetts today. Oh my goodness, you're, you're basically in my, my neighboring town. I'm like three miles away from you. So thank you so much for spending the time with us. It is, um, you know, it's quite a statement for an organization like SAP to have a chief customer innovation officer on its leadership team. Uh, what's behind that? Can you tell us a bit more about that and your role? Yes, thank you, Mark. I, I know it's kind of a, a fancy title and it's not one that easily fits on a business card, um, but it, it makes my mom proud, but I do get that question a lot. So, so what my organization does, it's a team of 650 or so technical and industry experts who work with customers of all shapes and sizes across all industries to leverage our SAP technology to really solve their most complicated problems. You know, some of this mark is done using out-of-the-box software, but in many instances, my team actually sits side-by-side -side with customers and creates solutions directly with them. They get to understand their unique business needs, and then they tie together the various elements of our portfolio. This is innovation, creating new capabilities for business scenarios. You know, an example I'd love to share with you all is the city of Portland. So yeah. when you're thinking about the pandemic, the city of Portland was looking to activate their emergency response teams to meet these challenges of the COVID pandemic. But it was clear that the manual in-person processes that worked for short-term emergencies was not gonna work for long haul demands of COVID-19. The very size and scope of the crisis meant that Portland needed thousands of people to manage new and different tasks and staffing requirements changed every day. Matching employee skills and availability to where the most critical needs were was really difficult, but also being able to account for that service delivery in back office finance and reporting systems, a tall order. And it needed to be done, as you can imagine, quickly and flawlessly. So right. what my team does is using SAP solutions, we were able to streamline the complexity of the emergency staffing process so they could focus on helping their community through the crisis. And Mark, since our team is out in front of customers every day, maybe the most important thing we do is we bring that knowledge and understanding back to SAP and our development org so we keep our products innovating. That's really fascinating. You know, as you started to describe the role of your team, the, the initial reaction would be, oh, that's, you know, it's a service role, isn't it? That's your service team. But it's much more than that because there is that layer of innovation in there. So when one of your team or a variety of your team is sitting with the client, with the customer, give us maybe a little bit of insight into how they apply that innovation edge to some of the challenges that the customer is bringing to the table. Because I, I bet a lot of the time, even the customer isn't aware of how much more can be done. 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think, you know, at its broadest definition, technology innovation is when an organization decides that technology is a source of innovation, that it's a critical success factor for increased market competitiveness, and they kind of formally go on a journey to fix it. Um, maybe oversimplifying it a bit to, to answer your question, in my experience, innovation commonly falls into two buckets. The first is really around process optimization designing business processes that set them apart, that allow them to outpace their competitors, increase efficiency, let them remain agile. The second broad bucket that we hear about is figuring out how to leverage advanced technology such as AI, machine learning, RPA. As you can imagine, Mark, at SAP, we have a very diverse customer base. We have over 440,000 customers in 180 countries. So at a company level, yeah, innovation means so many different things to different customers. But in a nutshell, my team's job is to figure out what does innovation mean for each customer and, you know, helping them drive business performance and outcomes. And you make such an interesting point about the fact that your team is out there every day. They're seeing so many examples of changing needs, of transforming organizations. They're having to apply this innovative thinking, and then they're bringing back to base everything that they learn. How do you go about uh, collating all of those learnings? How do you make sure that nothing is missed? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. I mean, what I love to think about stories like when we were talking about COVID, um, you know, one of the last bastions of online commerce was paint. No one ever thought that paint would be bought online, right? If, if you've been to the hardware store and seen the little samples of 80 shades of white, we just never <laughs> thought that was going to happen. But here you are, you're sitting during COVID, every single you know, one of us at home wanted to do home improvement, retail stores were closed. So we worked with one of the largest paint retailers and manufacturers in the United States who said, we need to move our operations online and fast. So you know, our SAP Commerce Solutions helped them do that. But what I think is important, Mark, in your question is that innovation in this environment that previously took years was now being done in weeks. And, you know, we're hearing from customers like this that some of the accelerated innovation will remain for the long term. It's really a shift in business models. It's absolutely fascinating. And I and I know that one of the key strategic initiatives that you work with is around this idea of building an intelligent enterprise. Now, for someone that's not seen the term before, how would you define it? How would you describe it? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. It's not as complicated as it may sound at first. I think most people are more familiar with this idea of digital transformation, which is really just taking, replacing manual processes with digital technology. So if you think of digital transformation as the foundation and it's the building layer for intelligent enterprise, but intelligent enterprise goes a step further. It takes this data created by the automation, it connects it and centralizes it. So it's now actionable insights. So maybe a, a simple example, if you were a home improvement retailer and you were trying to figure out is home delivery of washing machines in Tucson, Arizona profitable? It, you know, figuring that out, how do you price them? How do you promote them? You need data from across the organization to figure that out. And as consumers, I think we forget sometimes about that complexity. Um, so the, the second piece around it is that intelligent enterprise is about inserting AI, machine learning, RPA, intelligence directly where we can um, into end-to-end -end processes. And if, you know, before COVID, digital transformation was a line item on most business agendas, but the pandemic brought into focus how vulnerable companies are. 
If you're an auto company, how do you know which suppliers can deliver? If you're a retail store, how do you make sure you don't have excess inventory or not enough inventory? If you couldn't evaluate financial planning, you couldn't make sure your revenue was, was flowing. So COVID, I think, made these gaps in organizations much more apparent, that we couldn't connect the dots was very apparent. So to answer your question succinctly, I think intelligent enterprise is all about a company's most critical asset, data that is shared to run a business more intelligently. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I as a as a host and a moderator, I've worked with IT and tech companies for 12 years now. And we always come to this point where we look at the um I guess the opportunity that organizations have in front of them. And it's like being a kid in a candy store because there are so many different areas, right, where we could apply these advanced technologies. And so the question that I had for you, and you may have already answered it with AI, but the question is, you know, how do we know when and where to apply these technologies? Because we can't do it everywhere all at once. But I guess the pandemic has shown us that when we have to act, act fast, we can. But when and where is the question? How can we make those essential uh, decisions and what can help us come to the right decisions? I love that question, and I will tell you, I have great sympathy for CIOs, CFOs, CEOs trying to figure that out because people in their org are all saying, start here, start here, or different vendors are saying, start here, start here. So I can share my point of view. And my, my first piece of advice is always, you know, when you're starting this journey, avoid automating bad processes with intelligent technology. Knowing where to start is about understanding your organization, your processes, your bottlenecks, and your organization structure. Once you understand that, I think that's where you start. For me, the technology is kind of the, the easier part. Um, what, what I would say, again, in being a little um, oversimplifying perhaps, but no matter the size of the or the industry, to tackle today's um, problems, companies are focused on three primary outcomes, Mark. The first is we need to create resiliency allowing them to steer their company through challenging times. The second is kind of the age old increased profitability, top and bottom line, pretty simple stuff. The third, which is a newer and more nuanced is we're hearing more and more about sustainability. How do we reduce our carbon footprint? How do we reduce waste? How do we improve working conditions? And, you know, Mark, you may say like, what does sustainability have to do with the intelligent enterprise? But a holistic view across the organization is essential if, for example, you're an airline and you want to know your carbon footprint across the entire value chain. So intelligent enterprise helps you do that. Asking you where to start, when you ask where to start, the next piece of advice I would give is from a technology perspective, select trusted partners, software, hardware, SI. And what I mean by trusted are people who are customer centric. They're trying to drive value for their customer. Those who look at you and they optimize your existing technology investments, don't just try to sell you a lot of new stuff. Um, I, I also think it's important that you look for vendors who are embedding this intelligence directly into their solutions. So you don't have to ask yourself those questions, Mark. So mm -hmm. for example, with SAP, RHR solutions, our success factor technology automatically detects bias in recruiting, something I think we all wanna do. Our finance solutions allow you to do you know, automated, um, CAS application matching, which means we, we connect our billing and our invoicing automatically. That means people don't have to do that work anymore. Helps with efficiency, helps with morale. So those are kind of the, the things I would say. Understand your biggest problems, partner to solve them, work with vendors who embed artificial intelligence. 
very valuable advice all across that chain. But right at the top of the answer, you said something that made me smile. You know, you said, don't automate bad processes, which is kind of obviously, right? Obviously. But there are so many organizations with nothing but love and respect, I say this, who don't really see that their process is bad because they live and breathe it every day. They think it's working. And so to an extent, that's where the human comes in, right? Because AI can only show you so much and the software can only solve so much. You still have to have that human moment where you step back and go, this is a bad process. Yeah, exactly. You don't just want to do bad processes faster and pay for it. All right. So when people are making the right decisions, they're doing what you're saying, they're partnering for success, that they are getting that low hanging fruit, uh, they're bringing in the right solutions. What sort of results do organizations see? And and when you answer this question, I'd love uh, for you to maybe uh, introduce to us any stories where organizations got more than they were expecting, and that kind of enthused them to then do even more. Yeah, so that's a great question. I think when you look about value and how do you know when things are approved, there's kind of the the art and the science of it, Mark. So sometimes sometimes there's things you measure and sometimes there's just things you see in business outcomes. The way we look at it at SAP is we think about value in three phases. It's important that upfront you decide what you're going to measure and what you're going to focus on, the old KPIs. Here are the things that we think could be better and, and how do we improve them? So we do it in three phases. Value discovery, where we build a hypothesis case. We say we think we can impact these things, days outstanding, inventory terms, any, anything, depending on the industry. The second phase is where we come back in and we do value realization and we say, how was the actual business execution aligned to the hypothesis? Did it really happen? And the third is around optimization. And I think this is a piece where SAP is... is um, unique in that we we go back and we look and say how can we really perfect the implementation against the plan benchmarks how do we know what we know about what all the leaders of other industries are doing and bring those to bear so we help you optimize but but even without kind of this science and access to the kpis and metrics you as an outsider mark you can look the pandemic again um, you can look during this and say what companies have successfully become intelligent enterprises and you can tell by the speed by which they were able to transform their business models overnight so i I love to think and you know asking your question about a specific customer we work with a major chicken producer who shifted overnight from selling to restaurants to selling and delivering to supermarkets That is very, very complex in the back office of these companies. You have to coordinate across the supply chain in various systems like manufacturing and packaging, aligning SKUs, billing, delivery, all of that. And this chicken retailer was able to do that literally overnight using SAP solutions. So that's agility. That's making the pivot. Um, Another great example would be a high-priced fashion retailer whose demand for luxury goods plummeted during the crisis, and they shifted from making trench coats to PPE. That's a supply chain shift. So that agility for me indicates that they're well on their way to being an intelligent enterprise. I love the fact that the chicken uh, the chicken reseller didn't get into a flap. They just found a way to solve the solution. That's my attempt at humor right there in the middle of our chat. So you know what's interesting is organizations here, they're making these big changes. They're being very agile. They are pivoting in the year of the pivot. 
But of course, once these changes come into play, once they become a more intelligent enterprise, other things happen as well, like culture change. Um, and I wanted to ask you, has that been true for you and your customers? Have have they found that internally across all of the organization, there, there is a different feel, a different culture as a result of some of these process changes? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that innovation, I think the cycles are going faster. I think people are taking risks because they they know they can and they have to. I think organizations that are taking care of their people and kind of moving some of their operations online, I think some of those things will outlive the pandemic. Like we talked about with the paint retailer, they're going to continue to sell online. So they have now completely shifted their business model. So I, I do I do think that's true from a, um, a culture perspective. I think what you hear about you know every day is everyone moving to the cloud. It seems like everyone and everything is moving to the cloud. Um, yeah. And if you think my mom doesn't understand my job and my title, ask her what the cloud is. Um, <laughs> in fact, <laughs> ask anyone. <laughs> you know you'll, you'll get a lot of different answers. But I think the move to the cloud is largely driven by a desire for cost savings and faster innovation. I think yeah. many companies across all industries have decided they're going to stick to their core competencies of producing chicken, making automobiles, running their banks, and you know, making paint, whatever it is. And they're going to let technology companies help with the technical infrastructure and the business applications. So tech infrastructure that used to sit on premise at a customer location is in many cases now sitting in someone else's data center. That's a change in control. It's a change in who owns responsibility for operations, for risk, and for innovation. So, you know, when you think about cloud, we also talk about SaaS, software as a service, a software licensing and delivery model in which software is licensed on a subscription basis and it's centrally hosted, which is known as on demand. Why I bring that up in response to a question about culture is if you know that your customers have the power of choice every year, that drives change in how you sell to your customer. The most important letter in SaaS is service, how we service our customers. So whether it's SAP or any of the, the folks that we work with in our ecosystem, I think the shift to cloud has fundamentally changed our culture and the culture of others about putting your customer in the center and delivering for them every day. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when cloud was, well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. There was a security concern, just not anymore. This is how we all operate. And we operate as consumers in the cloud too. I, I have a Tesla parked outside. I was very excited to get my get myself a Tesla. And that thing is software as a service. Uh, there's an upgrade that comes down every couple of weeks and it's like I have a new vehicle. And so we're all getting very used to that. And, and what that means, of course, is endless digital transformation, but also, I guess, a change in the nature of our teams as well. Talk to us a little bit about how building effective teams can be helped by some of the changes we're talking about here. Yeah, I love that question, Mark. I mean, SAP has acquired so many best of breed cloud companies, Concur, Ariba, Qualtrics, the, the list goes on and on. And the employees from these acquisitions and their deep understanding of cloud culture and business applications is really powerful, especially when you blend that with the deep domain expertise and the knowledge of core systems and business processes that our traditional SAP employee base has always been so proud of. So for us, our talent is really our secret sauce. How do you blend established talent and new talent, these digital natives who have, as you said, high expectations for software with a workforce of 25 years experience in supply chain, warehouse management, or deep industry expertise in public sector and manufacturing. 
combining those together makes us feel we're, we're really going to be able to deliver incredible value to our customers. You know, when you when you ask me how I personally think of building teams, it's about diverse teams build and drive better outcomes, full stop. They just do. By definition, when you approach a problem from multiple vantage points and you debate it vigorously, the eventual outcome is much more resilient and creative. And I think one of the mistakes we often make when we're hiring is we ask ourselves, does this candidate fit into our culture? I think we should ask them, will they try to make our culture more diverse? Will they make it vibrant? Will they stretch it? So I think too often we fall in the trap of hiring people who look and act like us, especially early on in our management careers. We view it as an extension of our social circle, but you miss a lot of amazing talent that way. So after many, many years of building teams, I now recognize that strong leaders hire people who don't think exactly like them who challenge them and who fill gaps in their knowledge or experience. And that's where the magic happens. And I, I think we bring that to our customer base when we reflect the diversity in their organizations. Very interesting. Uh, you know, you think about, as we come to the end of our conversation, you think about the development of your teams, the development of our intelligent enterprises. We talk about digital transformation. It sounds like we're all on a journey. And of course, the nature of a journey is very often there's a destination of some sort. We'll get there and we'll go, hooray, we're here. I have a feeling that we won't ever actually reach the destination because the destination will keep moving further away. So with that in mind, what's next for, for SAP, for you and your amazing team? Yeah, so I think that's a great question, and, and you're right. I don't think of things as a journey like a plane trip. I think of them as a circle. It's about optimization, getting better. You know, and it's kind of like all of us as humans, right? We're work in process, trying to get better every day. We'll never be finished. I think technology and business innovation is much the same thing. It's just trying to be better every day and getting value drips from your software. So, um, you know, for me, given the industries we cover and the breadth of our solutions, I learn something new every day. I get to talk to leaders of industry and hear what they're struggling with, but also their vision for the future. You know, right now, Mark, it's really energizing to be able to work with companies like Moderna on cold chain tracking as they plan for the COVID vaccine distribution. I, I feel like I'm in the center of the universe watching retailers, <laughs> airlines, et cetera, <laughs> manage through the disruption. And, you know, when we can help, it feels incredible. It really does, especially when you know that you are making a big difference. Stephanie Nashawadi, thank you so much for sharing your insight, your ideas, and the incredible journey that you were on, even though it's clearly in a circle, a virtuous circle, if I may. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. The Art of the Pivot is brought to you by Signavio.